kindness metta and uh, so find a, a posture which works for you for the next half an hour or so i think yes And actually what I want to do before we actually start the reflection, let us chant the Metta Sutta together so you know actually the text. So Maria Christina, could you screen share that in for us in English? And I also in the in your participant guide you also have the version in Pali if you want to have a look at it later. But we're just gonna do the English version together. So that's the subtitle of our practice uh, time together is unpacking the Buddha's words on loving kindness and the Pali word for loving kindness is metta. So we're gonna everybody be muted and you can just chant along with me. The first two lines, you know, with the brackets around them, they're then I'm gonna chant those and then you you join in with me at the, on the third line. Now let us chant the Buddha's word on loving kindness. This is what should be done by one who is killed in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature, let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state, let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, 
whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, freed from drowsiness. One should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding by not holding to fixed views. The pure-hearted one having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. So that's the text, you know, it's an ancient text, so some of the wording, you know, might sound a little bit cryptic to us, but that's okay, you know. It connects us with this very ancient lineage and uh, gives us, you know, a feeling of having those ancestors, you know, who have gone before us and the whole root system, you know, which takes us back directly into the planet, actually. You know, not only our human ancestors and the, you know, the Buddhist uh, monastics and teachers who have gone before us and handed this teaching down to us, but also our own ancestors of our family line. Then also the animal ancestors, mammalian and otherwise, you know, who have a part in this body of ours, which we have inherited, you know, over millions of years. And then the plant ancestors, mineral ancestors, all of the ancestors which make up this planet, which gives us this highly sophisticated biocomputers which we call our bodies. So being aware of all of this entanglement and this whole powerful root system with so much information which we can access if we can train our minds to open and to become more sensitive to that which is subtle. Weaning ourselves off, you know, from the coarseness of capitalist consumerism, you know, which is, you know, having such a dangerous impact onto our mother, the planet. And in a way, you know, we are all together part of this, but some are more part of it than others. And we can really make an effort to wake up and see more clearly, you know, what is really happening. And I think, you know, using this Mother's Day as a opportunity to think about the planet more deeply. What she is providing us with. And you know, and then taking in that, that uh, information, you know, might bring up a sense of something you know, we might have never really felt before. And then you know, it's really important to meet that with openness and kindness.
and you know the, the Brahma Viharas where the loving kindness is the first of the four Brahma Viharas are a way of practicing what comes up in our lives you know in our emotions in our mind whatever comes up to meet it with spaciousness and an open mind you know and an open mind doesn't mean a relaxed mind necessarily but a mind which is open to be with what is and bring that loving kindness to it however you know pleasant or unpleasant it might be but to embrace it and allow it to be here and have an intimate relationship with what is happening this is what meta is all about you know not shutting down but opening and allowing and you know the four brahma viharas where meta is the first one they are the word brahma vihara we can translate it either as divine abidings or as the immeasurable mind states because there are mind states which are very vast or boundless and they are not emotions but they are four facets of universal empathy we can say there are dimensions or qualities of the heart which are already in the heart but through training we can you know have an easier access to those immeasurable states especially you know when we are meeting difficulty in our daily lives when we are you know having contracted emotions of ill will and greed for example if we meet that with loving kindness in ourselves and if we see it in others that's really helpful and you know those uh, Brahma Viharas we can uh, see them operating on three levels roughly speaking you know they are innate qualities of the heart which cannot be lost that's one level they are recommended ways of relating in the world that would be another you know, five precepts ethics have a lot to do with with the Brahma Viharas also and they are expected behavior of of uh, realized beings you know uh, enlightened ones we can say awakened ones expected behavior you know if someone is really has insight into the way things are the, those four Brahma Viharas would just come forth you know as a natural response of the heart which is liberated to a certain extent from what's called the fetters in the Buddhist teaching you know the fetters which keeps us bound to delusion and you know four different dimensions or facets of universal empathy and it's interesting you know, to reflect on the word empathy which has the same root as the word apathy also and the root is the Greek word patean which means to suffer so empathy you know is the capacity to see the suffering of others to understand you know that harm harming causes suffering in others and pain because we have 
open to our own suffering and pain. That's why we know about it. And apathy is the in the not having the capacity to suffer, you know, shutting down. And then through that constant shutting down, yeah, it, we become more and more apathetic because we become more and more numb. And then if we are numb, we, we, we also don't have empathy for others because we don't know how it feels to suffer because we, we are afraid of it. And we, we shut it down by different methods, you know, such as drinking, eating, shopping, constantly on the computer, drugs, sex, whatever, you know, different things which are overdone in order to numb ourselves to our internal experience. They all belong to that um, area, you know. And then depression can be the result of it because if we are shutting down our capacity for sensitivity towards our own experience, then also, you know, we are shutting down our capacity to experience joy and contentment. So the empathy is the capacity to, re for, to relate and to sustain relationships. And, you know, today on a Mother's Day again, you know, that's the most important relationship in our lives for at least, you know, the first 15 years, the relationship to our mother and also to our father. But even more to our mothers, you know, who carry us inside their bodies for nine months and then you know, feed us with mother's milk and uh, it's a very powerful, fundamental relationship. And empathy has, you know, very powerful consequences for the evolutionary processes as well, you know. Empathy is the is the, the glue of civilization, really. It allows us to team up in big groups, you know, and to do potentially a lot of good things and also a lot of harmful things. That's a very powerful um, evolutionary force. And also, for example, you know, the, the capacity to team up and to Built groups of uh, people living together, you know, first maybe in small bands or clans or tribes, and then getting, you know, bigger and bigger has also had a big impact, you know, on the on the formation of our brains and of our capacities, you know, to for learning. So it's a very important skill, you know, to be able to empathize with others, to understand how others tick so that we can work together with them. And it all is based to first understand ourselves and uh, from that understanding then, you know, we can extrapolate onto what we experience with others. And metta is also, you know, understood to be the root and the basis of all of the other four Brahma Viharas. The next one would be compassion or karuna, 
the third one is sympathetic joy or mudita and the last one is upeka or equanimity and that's four different you know facets of this um, universal empathy and love and all of those qualities you know they help us to evolve also love helps us to evolve if a child you know is in a loving environment all its qualities come forth much more easy than if it's in a deprived environment even you know the capacity for academic learning is enhanced mostly you know in in children which had a loving environment because there's much more you know encouragement for flowering you know and uh, the basic wish of meta is may all beings be happy and it's in the meta sutta it's compared you know with the love of a mother for her child her only child which she would like to protect, you know, from may no harm come to this child. This is metta. And in, in the Buddhist teaching, you know, the love, the love which a mother has for her child is always taken as an example of what love is. It's actually not so much the love between a husband and a wife, actually, which is mentioned, but this love which a mother has for her child. So with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. And the, you know, the original instructions for the Brahma Vihara practices uh, is radiating metta, karuna, mudita, and upeka, radiating it out from the heart area. And it's also written here in the text, radiating kindness over the entire world spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths outwards and unbounded so that kind of uh, radiation you know which comes from a heart which is free from hatred and ill will because when the heart is you know momentarily experiencing hatred or ill will it does contract and if the heart is radiating metta or any of the other Brahma Viharas, it's wide open, boundless. And there's an effortless radiation happening. And we can experience this together afterwards in the guided meditation. And uh, it's, it's a kind of, you know, opening of the heart which is the response of the heart if it isn't hooked on anything you know if the heart isn't hooked on any sensual objects it wants to have or it doesn't want to have so if it's really open then this matter can come forth quite effortless and uh, you know we can in the meditation we can use that sentence so may all beings be happy we can use that as an incentive to bring up the 
feeling of metta in the heart and then allow it to radiate out. And, uh, you know, in the formal practice, we can learn to taste the, the quality of the mind when it is really open. First, you know, we experience it in the formal practice. And then if we do that regularly, you know, we, we get the hang of it. We, we know how it, how it feels when the heart is open and not contracted. And once we really know how that feels, we can easier come back to it again. So then we know for ourselves, you know, the difference between the contracted mind, which wants something, and the open mind. And that's so important, you know, to have a direct experience of it, because direct experience understood is productive of wisdom and compassion. If it's not, you know, coming from direct experience understood, it's only intellectual knowing. It's a good beginning, but it's not enough to change us from inside. And that's what we need. You know, we need to change from inside because it needs to become an intuitive knowing, which is part of our being. Because in the moment, you know, if something happens, we can't just like go to the book. Where was that written? Which page number? It's already happened, you know. The, the reaction has already happened, but it needs to be part of our being. You know, in the moment when the heart contracts, if we have experienced the boundless states, we know how it feels when we are contracted. And then it's really important to not bring any aversion to the contraction, but hold that also in kindness. That's how it is, you know, if one has a vulnerable human body and mind, you know, being so dependent on so many things, you know, operating in unison, of course, that's a very vulnerable state to be in. But to really acknowledge that vulnerability can make us invulnerable if we befriend ourselves with that truth, you know. And that's what the practice is all about, to draw really close, to really become intimate with the way things are. And through becoming intimate and drawing close, to kind of surrender to that and fear is going to be transmuted into a sense of awe and, and a sense of uh, enrichment and deep relationship to something much bigger than ourselves, you know, which we can call the Dharma. Understanding it on a very deep level, yes, I'm part of nature, I'm not separate from nature. Everything is nature. And, you know, the evolutionary process here on this planet since the last four billion years has shown us this great self-regulating capacity, this great intelligence which we can't really fathom with our little dualistic minds, but we can develop a respect for it and we can develop an interest in what's happening here and a sense of gratitude for the situation 
And you know, a sense of gratitude immediately connects us back to something much bigger than ourselves. Like if it's a sense of gratitude, you know, to our mothers for everything they have done for us and our fathers as well, or, you know, to whoever has been taking care of us when we were little, or also to the earth herself, you know. And we are constantly receiving, receiving and receiving from her because we are her. So that's just such a different way of being in the world, you know. And that's the shift we all need to make at this uh, threshold, you know, we are standing on as a species where we need to be more glued in with what's really happening rather than being glued to our screens and to our, you know, what we're going to shop next. We have to stop doing this. We really need to get interested in who we are. And it's, it's an amazing process, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like, like opening a door, you know, into a room you have never looked in in your house. You open the door, it's going to be it's a, such a vast room and there's so much wonder which we can draw close to if we, if we did make the decision, you know, and overcome that need, you know, to be such so small. You know, and that doesn't mean that this is necessarily easy, this reconnecting with who we really are, but we have a lot of practices, you know, which help us to make that step. And, and the Buddhist teaching has so many uh, skillful means, you know, which we can use. It's like a whole toolkit, you know, which we can carry home. And depending on what's happening, we pull out whatever is helpful for us. So it, opening doesn't mean, you know, being relaxed necessarily, but it means opening to the contraction, opening to whatever is happening in the moment, letting it be, letting it move through and moving on, you know, moving on from it and letting come the next step because there's no permanent solutions, but there's always a next step which we can do. If we, you know, allow ourselves to be guided by staying open. And this is, you know, in the Metta Sutta here, that particular sentence, you know, by in the beginning is it, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. You know, and being skilled in goodness in that sense, I would say, you know, being willing to stay open to that which we don't know. Rather than trying, you know, to control everything like, a, you know, a, a primary school kid, you know, wanting to control the family or something. That's just not a, not a good idea, you know. I mean, they can have a tantrum here and there, that's okay, you know, but they can't be in the driver's seat. That doesn't really bode well, you know. And, and so for us, you know, we as a species, we are quite immature, actually. 
you know, we are the most, the Homo sapiens sapiens, you know, it's a very immature species. And that's okay, you know, there's nothing bad about it. But it's just good to, you know, be honest about that, you know, we are really so in need of guidance by something more vast than our egos and I think you know the whole situation on the planet particularly the climate crisis is a powerful um, mirroring you know of, of our delusions really and it's important you do not and do not kind of label that as 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 a bad thing but to to understand it as an evolutionary um threshold you know if 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 the feedback you know becomes so powerful that suddenly you know more and more people are waking up and and getting interested in uh, understanding what's happening and understanding means you know to stand under that means to go really close to it to start to develop a relationship to become intimate with what is being said you know said without words but said through lots of uh, droughts and fires and floods and earthquakes and sea level rising and what, what's happening, all of the things. That's how the earth speaks to us. And, you know, allowing ourselves to be cooked soft by all of that internal boiling, you know, and, and fire, which is coming up if, if we hear those things, you know. And this alchemical process, you know, to hold steady with that process of transformation, that's the necessity for new qualities to come online, you know. And meta is, is such a quality, you know, which is actually uh, alchemical process, you know, when greed and ill will and all of the contracted uh, mind states, you know, when they are allowed to be what they are and not suppressed but transformed then the Brahma Viharas will be the natural result of that process of allowing and not splitting off you know not running away not shutting down but allowing the cooking to happen and going through the fire So in a way, we, we can say, you know, a meta is the result of the fire of craving raised to the power of awareness, if you want it as a mathematical equation, you know. Meta is the result of craving raised to the power of awareness. In the, the Christian tradition, it's called agape or agape. Not quite sure how you say it in English. You know, that that love which is freed from ego it's also called unconditioned love you know a love which isn't based on any conditions 
It's just love because it is and we are. So this is, you know, once the, the, the craving and the grasping and the clinging and the controlling and the trying to nail things down, once we really understand how painful that is, then the letting go is a natural result. And the practice, you know, is about not forcing the mind to let go. That doesn't really work. But the practice is about staying with the process of grasping and craving and clinging long enough so we understand that it's not gonna do what we think it does, but it, it is productive of pain. And then the mind responds. And the response is the fruition of the mind responding is letting go. So that's, you know. That's such a it's such good news, you know, because it doesn't uh, expect of us, you know, that we that we are controlling the process, but it's more we are gathering in our mindfulness, our awareness, and bring it back to that which is difficult to bear, you know, the uncertainty, the fear, the anxiety, all of those feelings. And then the mind wants to run off into the head, think, 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 think about solutions. And then, no, just bring it down, bring it down into the body and be with the experience with metta for myself. And let it do its cooking and boiling and burning and clearing it all out, you know. And then the mind splits off in the head again. No, 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 I need to think, 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 think. And then as soon as you notice it, just, okay, bring it back down. You know, feel the earth underneath you. Feel the, the gravity. Feel the earth element in the bones. And then, no, 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 I need sing, 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 sing. And then just, no, bring it down again. And that's, you know, that's what the practice is all about. And, and the um, Brahma Viharas and the particular metta we are speaking about today is they are making that spacious environment, that loving environment for energy to go crazy, you know, in, in the body. And just letting it be there, not, not sending it away, you know, into the head and saying, no, you need to kind of go up there and work out a hundred strategies because they all don't really work and they are just patterns, repetitive patterns. It's not emergent, it's just repetitive. And what we want, we want something, you know, different. Because we already know that those old things don't work. So that's, you know, why the Metta Sutta speaks about knowing the path of peace. Because it leads to a calm and, and, and stable mind. Which is the, you know, is the basis for insight to happen. Because if we are kind of thrown about like this, we won't be able to really have an insight. But if we are grounded and steady, and then we can see everything kind of going crazy, that's where insight occurs. So that, you know, that yearning energy, 
to have things different than from what they are, to either have more of it or not have it at all. That yearning energy becomes slowly transformed and becomes ever wider, wider and wider. You know, that's why it's called the immeasurables until there's no more sense of separation left. But first, you know, we have to, to stay with the contraction in a loving way. And then it starts to open up. So, you know, we are embracing it and then opening to it, moving through it and moving on. And then, you know, we can use the craving and the clinging, the attachment becomes our teacher. And the discipline, you know, of the five precepts and the three refuges becomes our support. And that the paradox, you know, of using discipline in order to get free, you know, submitting to a container in order to free ourselves of all containers. That's the paradox here. Because we need support. It's too, otherwise it's, uh, it's too confusing, you know. And then, you know, as we grow up in the practice, we need less and less support. So the willingness, you know, to stay with the trouble, to stay with the mess, to stay with the difficulties, that's, that's the, you know, that's the ticket we need to buy in order to start the process. So there's, you know, there's a drive in all living systems to evolve and to fulfill their true potential. And in our case, you know, our true potential is, is full awakening or liberation from delusion. And, uh, you know, to, to awaken out of this dream of separation. And, uh, you know, Mother's Day is, is a very special day in the sense of that, uh, you know, the symbolism of this day, you know, is about remembering us that we belong to something much bigger and that a sense of gratitude is, is in order, really, because it's, it's realistic. And it will help us to come down to the ground and um, from that grounding, you know, we can start to adjust and attune with reality much better. Because a sense of gratitude is automatically in an intuitive level, you know, connecting us with the bigger picture. And the sense of gratitude also springs from a sense, is connected with being and feeling enriched, you know, because you would only feel a sense of gratitude if there's a reason, you know, to feel a sense of gratitude. And sometimes we forget it, you know, because everything is so, has become so automatic and there's so much distractions going on. So 
to bringing that back online, it's we are not losing anything. We are winning a lot. You know, we are winning that sense of connectedness and and um, enrichment, which is consistently happening. You know, every moment, but we just are distracted. So you know, that's my reflection. And now we can take a little bit of time for walking meditation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.